you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting-edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Dr. David, the cutting-edge doc here, and welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm very excited about today's show. In today's show, I do an in-depth interview with spiritual teacher, guide, and author, Gina Lake. And the reason that I wanted to share Gina with you is that she's able to communicate very deep, profound, powerful spiritual truths in very simple ways, in very plain English. And I find that that's very rare in today's world. So sit back, relax, and treat yourself to a big dose of Gina Lake. Hi, friends. I'm here this morning with Gina Lake. Gina is a writer and a spiritual guide for people living in Sedona. And I'm very excited to be here with Gina today. Um, As many of you know, many of the interviews that I do in Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul are with people that, in my opinion, are doing really excellent and really important work in the world to open up new spaces of possibility for people and are presencing the realities that many people are not aware of and are guiding people lovingly and wisely along the way. And I've been aware of Gina and her work for a long time. And I think we come from a similar spiritual lineage in the sense that uh, we're both grounded in non-dualism and at the same time, we're very committed to building a bridge between the view of the mystic and the view of the everyday man or woman of the world and to um, to teach and be an example for the the unity of reality and for the soul's awareness of that unity. And Gina, welcome to the conversation. Hi, David. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. You're welcome. One of the things I've always admired about your work is that whether it's your writing or when you are channeling uh, one or more of the masters, it always seems to me like you're able to take uh, profound, profoundly deep and radical spiritual truths and to bring them forward in very simple everyday language. And um, has that something that always just came natural to you or was that something that you consciously cultivated or uh, just seems like a gift that you have and I just want to invite you to share about your your journey and your process but particularly if you could speak to this what I think is a talent that you have of uh, making deep things simple for people I, Mm. I, I would really appreciate that 
Well, again, thank you. Uh, I would say that I didn't come by this that easily. I've been writing for 25 years, and in the practice of writing, you're dealing with words, and all of my writing really has just been given to me from the beings that I've been working with. And so it the words come to me, I write them down, and if they aren't clear, and I, crystal clear, so there's something that I don't quite understand or that I need uh, more fleshing out about, uh, then that's given to me. So in a way, I'm the human test person for whether the, whether the words are clear enough and registering um, in a way that the ordinary human can understand them. Sometimes I think, um, I, I've often sort of laughingly said to myself that it's a good thing I'm not a genius or any smarter than I am because maybe then I wouldn't have to clarify these words so thoroughly <laughs> because um, they have to go by my own understanding. They have to be understood by me to get past and be um, passed on to the public. So I think just because I really personally want to understand these truths so much and um, on every level uh, that I just spend a lot of time with the words and as the words are coming through me, I'm also given an intuitive understanding of them. And I also write at a level where I'm at. So the words that are given to me and the books that are given to me fit where have always fit where I'm at in my own spiritual growth and spiritual understanding. And in that way, they carry me along they pull me along, pull me forward. They're always a, a little step a, ahead of me and, and then just causing me to think about and explore things in a way that I may have not thought about them before. So I've had this very intimate relationship with one particular being for the last 25 years who has been my mentor and who has been guiding and helping me to heal because that's an important part of the spiritual path is emotionally healing. And so um, we've just worked very closely together and it's been a, a partnership and they use my physicality, my humanness, and I get to benefit from the wisdom. And so I've grown so much as a result of these words, and it's been quite a beautiful process. It's just an amazing process for me. I feel so very blessed um, to be part of this. And um, it's coming to real fruition now in my life. Now, um, 30 years after I first started being able to channel. And it's very gratifying. What's, um, what's on the cutting edge for you these days in terms of uh, 
Are you continuing to write new books or is your self-expression going in a different direction? What are you, what's on your cutting edge right now and what are you excited and focused on these days and where is your energy going now? Well, things took a turn for me a couple of years ago in 2012. I had a, a spiritual shift, a deepening and coinciding with that was the appearance of other beings, ascended masters, specifically Mother Mary and then Jesus. And prior to that, I had only been working with this one other being. And after this shift, I was told, I was asked to write books for first Mary um, and then Jesus. And this was, this was a big step for me in a way because I had to go back to defining myself publicly as a channel, which prior to that I had just been writing books that were given to me. Um, so they were channeled, but they were in my own voice. And so the whole idea of channeling wasn't interfering with people's perceptions of my writing. And that is as it was meant to be. I, I was happy to not be calling it channeled because of the reactions that I get when I have called it that. And so, you know, I was happy, I happily had channeling in the background until 2012 and really did not talk about that, um, although I didn't deny it and I always said what it was, but I didn't make a point of that in the books themselves. And so this was, and, and I felt so comfortable and safe with that because there is a lot of controversy around this word channeling. I think people misunderstand it. They think that it is mediumship where a being takes over your body and you lose control. It isn't that. Um, for me, it's dictation that I receive in my mind. It's a clear, a clear voice in my head dictating the book to me and I just write it down and I'm, in, I'm completely conscious and I can receive those words walking around or doing absolutely anything in my life so I don't have to be in a special state of consciousness. But that's, that's what channeling is to me. But for other people, it, it carries a lot of heavy, sometimes very negative weight. So then for Mary and Jesus to come through and say, we want you to write these books and we want you to write them in our name. And that was, um, it actually was a choiceless choice in the sense that because the connection was so strong and true with these beings and so beautiful, and because what was coming through was so wise and so solid, there was no way I was going to say no to it. I'm so surrendered at this point in my life to, um, to thy will, to the flow, to um, the unfolding of this plan and the use of me as an instrument that it, it really wasn't a question for me, but the ego part of me was a little concerned that this would not be a good career move. And 
you know, but I was at the point in my life where I didn't care if it's a good career move or not because it's the right move. It was clearly the right move for me. And whatever happens as a result, so be it. Um, as it turned out, nothing but um, support and ha has been the result. So, you know, the world didn't come crashing down. My books are still selling. Um, people recognize truth when they hear it. And so whether they, whether they believe that my last book and the one that I'm writing is from Jesus or not, um, they still can see the truth in it. So sometimes I get comments like that of, well, I don't know if she's actually channeling Jesus, but every sentence is wise. And um, so I get, I get comments like that. And to me, that is the bottom line. We can't really know. No one, no channel really knows for sure who they're channeling. But the proof is in the pudding. It's in the truth of the words, how they resonate, and more importantly, how they help you live your life. So my words that I've, uh, in all of my books, have been being tested out in my life. I write a book, and that those words become how I live. And they that has always turned out well. So I'm always happy to share what comes through me because it's very practical spirituality that can change people's life. It's changed my life. So that's the test. And that's what I care about is bringing people to happiness, ultimate happiness, to being more peaceful and loving human beings. That's all I really care about, and that's what I'm being given in the works that I'm given. So I, I just can't even question it anymore. And um, it, it's, that's why I said I feel that my work has come to a certain fruition because there is more than ever a congruity between who I am in the world and how I feel and experience life and the wisdom that I'm writing about. So, you know, I'm not a channel like someone who is just writing down words and doesn't understand them and doesn't live them. In this case, uh, I'm so integrated with what I'm teaching that I am also the teacher of these words and um, there is an equality in the relationship that I have with these beings that is so respectful and so helpful and so loving that um, I just bow to it. Thank you for that. So I'm aware of the book that you wrote for Mother Mary, and I'm aware of the Jesus Trilogy of the three books or have you gone on and continued writing beyond those? I've just started another book by Jesus, and it's called A Heroic Life. And it's my understanding that the books going forward are all going to be from Jesus. And as much as I've loved all of the work that I've done, and I, my books are my children, and I don't really have favorites, 
I have to say that it's a surprising and wonderful discovery to see that the most recent things I'm writing are, are felt by me to be the best writing I've done. And so I, I'm all in on whatever is going on here. And I expect that there will be numerous books, one a year from Jesus, and that that's what the rest of my writing career, my life probably is going to be about. And um, of course, we never know, but that's um, the trajectory at this point, and I'm very happy with it. Uh, I think that what's coming through right now is extremely inspiring and helpful to people. And I hope that they can feel the energy that I feel of Jesus through this. He doesn't speak like he did in, the, in um, as he seems to have spoken in the Bible, um, or even in A Course of Miracles, A Course in Miracles, uh, where the language is quite flowery. It's very practical and straightforward like my other books. And that's understandable because when you are a channel, the beings use you as an instrument. They use your mind, your vocabulary, your sentence patterns, patterning, the way you tend to express yourself and your capacity to understand and to express yourself, all of that shows up in the writing. So I will have to take a little credit for the clarity of it because I've worked very hard at the mechanics of the English language. And that's been my part. The, the wise part isn't so much, I can't take so much credit for that. I don't feel that I could have written these books myself. As I said, they're a little bit um, beyond me pulling me forward, although I understand every word of them. But, um, but the languaging and the words, um, I can take some credit for that wordsmithing. Do you kind of get a nudge when Jesus wants to write, or do you kind of, uh, or is it more of a, is it more of a, an equal kind of partnership or is it more like um, you're, you're waiting for his cue to say, hey, let's uh, do some more writing? Or is he more like waiting for you to go, hey, I've got some space here? Or how does that work? That's a really good question. They are so very respectful. When I say they, I just, my experience is that there's a whole circle of beings that are working with me and Jesus and Mary and some others are part of that. So, um, but my experience is they are so respectful of me. So there is no pressuring, of course, for me to write. Um, they are willing to write whenever I'm willing to write. So I write every day. Oh. And if I need to take a break, I do that. And so any time I sit down at the computer with an intention to write, they just pick up, Jesus just picks up where he left off. And so 
it isn't complicated that way because I don't have to be in a certain state or um, or have remembered even what I wrote before. Uh, they they can st he can start anywhere. It's like the book is already written and right. it's just being dictated to me. Now an interesting thing happens, which I really like a lot when it happens because. Otherwise, um, when I when I write, it feels a little bit like I'm driving blind because I don't know what's coming next. I really don't. Uh, although I intuit it, I, I, I'll intuit the next sentence maybe, but I don't know what's what the, the whole book is going to be about. Really, I am told some of what it's going to be about, and I'm given a, a rough table of contents. But I don't really know what's going to be said. So it's a little like driving blind. And so as a writer, you have to just be comfortable with that. You have to learn to be comfortable with not knowing what's going to come. And it's just then a matter of not thinking, and which I know very easily how to do. I, I have learned to have a blank mind. So when my mind is blank, then the words are just flow through me rapidly crystal clear and so that is my experience but what I started to say which I really enjoy um, because it gives me a, a sense of knowing what's coming next is I will receive downloads intuitive downloads um, like yesterday I was taking a walk in the beautiful Sedona rocks and I just suddenly knew that what came next in my book was a section about sending love, about the importance of giving love, that that is the key to how each of us can be happy, is simply that we all have the capacity to give love, even if we're disabled or um you know, have, uh, you know, no money in our pockets. Everybody has the capacity to give love. And when we exercise that capacity, we're completely happy and complete inside. And um, I have written about that idea before, but it comes some of these ideas have been written about before that I'm writing about, but they always come through in a little different way. So I received that download, and um, so I went home and I did do that. And sometimes in the middle of the night, I will also be spoken to um, if I open up my channel. That is, if I, if they, if the beings that I'm working with recognize that I'm open to commuting, communicating with them, they will speak to me. Otherwise, they do not interfere with my life. They never tell me what to do or tell me what's going to happen or just um, burst in and begin talking to me. That goes against their rules. They have certain protocol that they follow. They're very respectful but sometimes in the middle of the night, I do communicate with them and I get some guidance or I receive some information about what's coming next. But um, periodically when I'm writing a book, I get these downloads 
that um, give me a sense of where it's all going. And I, I really enjoy that when that happens. I, I also just enjoy the, the, um, the, the receiving of things intuitively makes me feel um, connected in a way that, hmm, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. But it makes me feel involved and not just a receiver of words um, because it's landing inside of me and in my body and in my understanding in a way that's very, very personal. And, and when I say download, it's, it, it's like a chunk of information that isn't sorted out into linear sentences yet. I completely understand. Yeah. I would imagine that the combination of the work you've done in the past and the frequencies in Sedona and the supportive space that your husband holds for you, I would imagine all of these things kind of conspire to make the connection very easy and natural uh, with, with Jesus and with Mary. Yes, absolutely. I, I do feel that one's lifestyle and the environment are very important. And when you are completely dedicated to this work, you will naturally choose an environment that supports that and a relationship that supports that. And I've been living this work since 1989. Um, I've been writing and it's the only thing that's mattered to me in life. And so I have created a lifestyle since then that was dedicated to that. And it's so fulfilling that I don't have very many people in my life. I'm not really, I'm, I've always been a bit reclusive and quiet because I'm so, um, you could say, self contained. I'm so satisfied and complete within what I'm doing. And I must say that the relationships that I have with the beings that I've had um, are so ideal that um, human relationships can't quite compare, although my husband comes very, very close. My husband is just the most wonderful being. So, and, and he is completely supportive of this work. Um, but with these relationships with these ascended beings, there is complete respect, wisdom, support, and unconditional love at all times. And they are always able to provide a reframing of any difficulty that I'm having. In other words, and, and that's something that I and we in our work try to do with people, that we do that often, is try to help people reframe their stories, their negative stories, to the truth. And that's I've learned to do that because the beings that I work with have been doing that with me all of these years. If I ever am feeling contracted or struggling with something or suffering, 
they have a way of just cutting to the chase, just saying something that that just busts that and breaks through that and helps me to see the light again. And it's just so amazing how that can be done with just the right words. So I do try to do that with people. I, I feel that my counseling work with people as the spiritual mentoring that I'm doing is an opportunity for people to have the experience that I've had with these beings by speaking to me, not that I am these beings, but I'm close enough of, of a voice to give them a sense of what it's like to have a partnership with someone who is unconditionally loving and who can see only the positive, only the good in them and in their life. I completely understand what you're saying. Uh, what I'd like to do, if it's all right with you, is kind of shift gears in the conversation now and kind of um, build a bridge to where I think a lot of the listeners are, because I think on one hand, we could continue to speak at this level and people would definitely be uplifted and there would be um, kind of a, a contact high, a resonance. But I want to I want to kind of build a bridge to how the world is currently occurring for people. And I was wondering if you'd like to go with me along for that ride. Of course. Okay. So what I'm aware of uh, in my work with my patients and my clients and my students and in my own life and looking out in the world, it seems to me that the light workers or the cultural creatives or the catalysts, the healers, the teachers, it seems like some of the challenges that we face a lot of the time right now in the world as it is, has to do with several areas. One is um, being good stewards of our physical body, given the current state of pollution and food production and background radiation and chemtrails and things like that. So that's definitely an area that I'd like us to speak to. Another area that I know many people on the vanguard are, are looking at and, and asking questions about and struggling with is the area of sexuality and relationships and um, uh, wanting to meet their householder obligations, but at the same time feeling a little bit tethered. Um, and then um, I think another area that's a biggie for a lot of light workers is uh, how to how to win the financial game so that it's not an issue and their life doesn't have to be about their financial limitations and uh, on one hand it seems like there's some very heavy duty forces in the world right now that are holding on for dear life to um, to make it difficult for the light workers in these areas. But on the other hand, I have a sense, especially in the last few months, that 
it's a whole new ball game and that if we can heal from the past and let go of our limited ideas that there's a level of support for the light workers now that's also unparalleled and i'm wondering if you personally have any words of guidance for uh, light workers in this area and or whether in any of your conversations with your inner plane teachers and guides and friends, um, they've had any words of wisdom for dealing with these very human matters. Well, that covers a lot of ground, so maybe we can parse those questions out um, and answer them more specifically one at a time. But just um, generally, though, I just recently it, Jesus was explaining to me that that what we're experiencing now with the number of people awakening and deepening in their spirituality is just the barest beginnings of what is to come. And that we're, so we're just seeing the, just a, a sliver of, of what's possible. And yet the last 10 years have been so amazing in the number of people who are awakening and how these ideas that I'm and other people are speaking about are teaching are starting to seep into the mainstream even. So there is a lot of optimism from beings on other dimensions that it is possible for this world to turn itself around, not that there are not going to be difficulties and problems because certain things have been set in motion that will have to be experienced environmentally and um, climatically and in other ways. But in terms of consciousness, we're going to see a very rapid opening up and raising of consciousness just exponential in the coming years and that my books and the books of other people who are writing about awakening and about um, becoming more free are um, the earliest voices in a, a movement that will become mainstream eventually and so I think there there is a lot of a lot of hope in terms of what's possible because without a change of consciousness we aren't going to get political leaders who have a higher level of consciousness and it's very difficult to see how the world can change without politics and political leaders also changing because they hold the reins of power. And unless we get some people in those power places who have a higher state of consciousness, it's going to be very difficult to legislate 
in the way that we need to legislate. So there is a practical and activist aspect to it, but the activists have to be awakened, really. But apparently that is is to come. Uh, so um, I think these are really amazing times that we're living in. And I feel so blessed to be living in them. And I, I won't probably even be around to see the, the real flowering of it. Um, so I think I'm just a harbinger of what is to come and just beginning to lay the groundwork. And another interesting thing that I've been told, and maybe it's obvious, but to me it was interesting because um, I hadn't really thought of it this way, but the more voices there are who are speaking this message, the more believable the, the message, and the message I, I mean is the message, the messages in my writing, in Eckhart Tolle's writing, in Byron Katie's writing, in A Course in Miracles, in all of the uh, spiritual writings that are in the forefront these days about awakening. But the more the more voices there are who are saying the same thing and speaking about these things to their um, their peers, their people in their lives who are not awake, the more it will just, the language will just become more acceptable and just a given. Um, I can be more specific by just saying that, to me, I think that this idea that we have an egoic mind, um, a voice in our head, uh, this is a huge a huge concept that we have language now for this. And I think Eckhart Tolle gave us this when he talked about the voice, the voice in your head. Um, my books are all about getting free from the, this thought stream, this voice in your head. So I think that we're acquiring language right now in the spiritual department that we didn't have before to talk about things that we couldn't talk about because we didn't have language. And I think that's partly what I'm doing is developing, helping to develop language that um, can point to the illusion that can bust the illusion. So, you know, I'm talking and writing about the voice in your head, the egoic mind, um, which in my current book, we're calling the thought stream. And this idea that the thought stream, that stream of thoughts of commentary going through your mind is not useful and in fact ha is full of lies and is not who you are and is what um, you need to not give your attention to is a radical idea for most ordinary people. It's not radical to me anymore because I know what it's like to live without a thought stream or without paying attention to it. So I know that life is meant to be lived without that voice in your head and that that voice is the, the 
source of all suffering. But this idea, when it gains mainstream recognition, is going to revolutionize the world. Because it, when you see it, it really becomes quite obvious. But we're programmed to not see this basic truth. We're programmed to believe our minds. And that's what's creating the problems. So just this one fact, if this could seep into mainstream, and I think that's what I'm all about here, um, and not just me, but other people. So the more people, the more voices out there who are saying this same thing, the more the ordinary person can just trust that this is true and stop listening to their mind. And when they start, start seeing what their mind is, is up to and they stop listening to it, everything's going to change. That's just such a game changer. So I think that's where we're at, is we're at this very rudimentary place where we're just finding ways to help people bust through the, the ego, the mind, that is causing all of the suffering and causing all of the problems in the world, too. And uh, so once the momentum of the the momentum of people who understand this increases, um, I think that we'll really see a different world. My sense is that um, community, conscious, co intentional community, is an incredibly vital domain and dimension for how all of this needs to play out because it's too challenging for most individuals to interface directly with the general collective consciousness productively. It's too big a gap once people get the teachings that are coming through your books if they try to, as an individual lone ranger type person, interface with the collective that reflects the egoic mind, it's it's too high a gradient. It's too challenging. And it seems like, you know, I go back to the old Buddhist saying that, um, you know, that when the going gets tough on the path, that the three places that the student can take refuge is with the Dharma and the Buddha and the Sangha, the teaching and the teacher and the community of fellow travelers on the path. And I think one of the things that I see that's missing for a lot of my students and patients and clients is that they haven't made it a priority to cultivate the Sangha. They haven't made it a priority to cultivate intentional community and I think that one of the things that's going to address a lot of the challenges that I mentioned in my last question is when a critical mass of people make it a high enough priority to develop conscious intentional community. Yeah, that is certainly important and I think that the internet is serving that for a lot of people right now and it's a really important resource and I was told a long time ago that 
this transformation of consciousness could never come about without the internet, that our world would be doomed without the internet, really, because it allows the minority of like-minded people who understand these spiritual truths to support each other, share ideas, and come together as an online community. And so even somebody who doesn't have like-minded people around them can find people online to connect with. And um, so in a sense, that Sangha doesn't have to be local necessarily. But for some people, having a physical community is extremely important. Um, for me personally, I'm not a... Um, I, I'm, I'm not a, communi- uh, a group sort of a person, so I don't look to that for support. I, my husband is enough support, and I have friends who are, a few friends um, who I'm very close to. Um, I, think that, I think that for a lot of people, just having a couple people that you can talk with about these things can really help them get by. Um, and, you know, but, but certainly I, I can't argue that a community isn't, isn't valuable and important um, and will certainly be part of the future developments, I would think. And it is a natural development also when your consciousness expands, you naturally want to be with people who are experiencing life the way you are experiencing it. And there comes a point for many people in their spiritual growth when they have to divorce themselves from people who do not support or understand where they're coming from. And some people stay in relationships that um, hold them back in a sense. And I appreciate that that's difficult to move on, but it's really appropriate and appropriate to move on. If you are putting your spirituality first, you will need to say no to certain people in your life and move on because um, there isn't a resonance anymore no, and no, no more purpose for being with those people. That is so true. You know, one of the things that's coming up for a lot of my students right now is the challenges they're having around setting appropriate boundaries and standards without going into judgment. Yes. And that is a huge lesson along the path because as you become more light-filled and you become more attractive, there's more and more demands on your energy and on your time. And learning to lovingly say no is a vital skill for for both the quality of your life and also for your effectiveness in life. And I find especially for women in our culture due to the cultural forces this ability to uh, stand firm in your power and lovingly say no without 
closing down your heart um, is uh, when people get the hang of that, it opens up a whole new world. Yes, it's so important. And I think I end up talking to people in my spent spiritual mentoring counseling that I do um, quite a bit about navigating these personal relationships that are no longer serving them, what to do about them, and you know how to how to deal with them. And so but we only have so much energy and so much time. And if your state of consciousness and your spirituality is first, you're going to be careful about the relationships that you form and what you say yes to, because uh, social engagements can take a tremendous amount of not only time, but emotional energy. When you're around people who are still in their ego, it can affect you a lot, especially if you're a sensitive person. You can, um, like a psychic sponge, take in their negativity and make it more difficult for you to maintain your level of consciousness. So at a certain point on this path, it's important to not expose yourself any more than necessary to a lot of negativity and ego. Later on, when you're stronger, it might be possible for you to withstand that and not lose your, lose your higher state. But then by that time, you're not interested. Right. Do you have any thoughts about the... The, just the physical assault on the body in terms of things like, you know, I, I, I am very active in raising consciousness about the dangers of genetically modified foods and the rape of our topsoil and the smart meters and the, 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 the dissonant uh, resonance with a lot of, uh, appliances and these things um, can be managed but they take a lot of consciousness and a lot of energy and I know that more and more um, tools and technologies also are going to be coming forth in the near future to assist in these areas but um, I wanted to open that part of the conversation up in case you or any of the beings that you work with have any thoughts to share with our listeners at this time about dealing with these very creaturehood type issues? Well, what we eat is certainly important. And so um, I do, and my husband and I both are very conscientious about what we eat and we buy organic um, as much for ourselves as for the environment because we don't want to support the agricultural practices that um, are non-organic. So um, I think some people are extremely sensitive to toxins. My husband's one of them. And to, um, you know, cell phone energy and things like that. And other people are less less susceptible. I'm less susceptible. I have a much stronger constitution. If you are having an issue 
a physical issue with things like my husband is, then from a spiritual standpoint, that must be the right experience in a sense. That's the outlook that you need to have about it. That uh, for whatever reason, that is that is what's on your plate. That's your spiritual catalyst or your the grist for your mill to deal with. And it is, it seems to be on a lot of people's plate who, a lot of people who are spiritual. And um, so I, other than that, I, I don't have a lot to say about the physical health end of things because that's not my bailiwick and it isn't, uh, an area that I've had to struggle with at all. and um, But I, of course it's important and the environment is extremely important to people's health. Um, is it within your sphere of either your interests or your expertise or of the conversations you've had with... Um, the beings that you work with have any conversations about the the issues that come that are coming up for light workers in the area of relationships intimate relationships sexuality sexual energy well i'm not sure what the issues are i haven't run across there being issues in sexual energy so maybe you could describe that but I am, I've one of my books is about relationships. It's called Choosing Love, and relationships are really important, <laughs> and they are so tricky for people. Um, sexuality, uh, gosh, that's a big t- topic. Is there something specific that you? I just uh, know a lot of light workers who. Um, don't feel that the sexual aspect of their self-expression is where they would like it to be. And they have a sense that there's a whole other level of sexual uh, ability and uh, sacredness and possibility that they sense, but they they don't quite know how to explore it. So, for example, a lot of the light workers I know, if you would say, "Well, on a one to ten scale, could you rate um, how you're doing with your spiritual understanding?" and how you're doing with your emotional level of peace, they would give higher ratings for that than they would give, well, like, how would you rate your the level of gloriousness of your sexuality and sexual expression or your, uh, or your financial life or your level of physical vitality and comfort those kinds of things that have to do more with the lower chakras, more the transmutation of instinctual energies. Um, for a lot of the light workers that I know out here in California, 
this is much more the cutting edge in the sense that they've already done a lot of work in the purification of the higher centers, the heart center, but now there's a lot of work that's being done to anchor this energy all the way down through the lower chakras and to transmute all of that and to connect all the way into the center of the earth. It seems like a lot of what's happening, at least here in Northern California, that seems to be the cutting edge for a lot of light workers these days. And that's what's behind uh, where I wanted to take the conversation. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Um, and that certainly is your area much more than mine. Yeah. And um, so I'm sure you, you must know much more about this than I do. Um, the only, the, the thing that, you know, as uh, what rings a bell for me in what you were saying is, is it a, takes it in a completely different direction, which may not be that helpful or that relevant to to your question. But the desire to have our sexuality be glorious or the desire to have our finances look a certain way or the desire to have anything in our life be improved is a problem. Um, from my standpoint, to want something other than the way things are is a place of suffering. And, you know, we are... Um, it, it's not that there might not be uh, a natural unfolding of the sexuality in a way that it becomes more glorious. But when it's not to feel that that is important and necessary or that it should look a certain way is a place of suffering and is not going to help you un help it to unfold more gloriously. Um, so that's, that's the level that I work with people more is just looking at the, how they create their own lack of liberation, how they create mentally their own suffering by trying to make themselves and life be other than it is, rather than to just be within it as it is, and then to work with the way that life is naturally unfolding it moment to moment, which which could very well mean going to a healer who works with the second chakra or the first chakra and um, doing that kind of work. So, um, but the part about being, um, the part about wanting to have something be different than it is, um, is an unnecessary element in that picture. You know, I hear what you're saying, and I think that's a important, valid point that definitely we can add to our suffering by, um, through that kind of attachment, that kind of judgment, that kind of perfectionism. And at the same time, I feel I'm pointing to something that also has a validity beyond that 
question as well, along beyond your comments as well. My sense is that um, that there's a movement among the um, light workers who first began by entertaining new ideas and transforming their openness at the level of their conceptual mind. And then there's been a huge opening of the heart and the openness to the natural compassion uh, that's there. And I feel that what's happening for a lot of people now who are who've reached a critical mass of mastery in those levels is what I call the transmutation of the instinctual realm. Um, so that there's a complete transfiguration of all aspects of humanity, of not only head and heart, but also the belly. And I think that that has a reality that's beyond the issue that you raise mm -hmm. about that level of suffering. So I get what you're saying. And I also think there's something else going on. And um, you and I are both writers, and we both have a tremendous respect for the power of language to bring forth possibilities and conversations and and open up new spaces. And I I just wanted to give you the opportunity to open that conversation up. And also, I, I totally respect if you if you don't have anything else to say about it. But I did want to open it up because it is so present for so many of the uh, people that I know here in California that are so dedicated to to the same uh, purpose that you and I are dedicated to. I'm really glad that there's someone like you who knows how to deal with that or how to help people work with those chakras and, you know, who's, who's sensitive to all that. And, um, you know, it, we, it's, um, you know, it, I just haven't personally had experience with it. And, right. and so, um, and I'm, I'm extremely postmenopausal. I'm in my 60s. And um, so the area of sexuality for me is, um, is quite a waning issue. <laughs> I understand, yeah. but that's happened. But that's happened very naturally for you. Yes, uh -huh. that hasn't been a problem. That hasn't been anything that was forced. You you don't feel like there's something that you missed out on that you didn't explore. Right, not at all. Right. And I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how I received healing in that area. I'm not sure. Looking back, what that was all. about. About how that healed or if it healed or anything like that but um, it just isn't an area of difficulty or particular interest for me right now right I understand that and you know it's interesting because uh, I grew up in Los Angeles during the during the 60s and 70s where you know that was sort of like the cradle for uh, the media and uh, and glamour and uh, 
a tremendous amount of sexual energy that was flying around all over the place. And um, astrologically, I'm a Taurus, and yet my son is in the ninth house. And so a lot of my work is about the um, taking these higher principles, these holy ideas, these sacred ideas, and really bringing them down to earth, really substantiating them. So a lot of my work, it may be why I'm in California, but a lot of my work is about building that bridge all the way down through all the chakras to really, um, to really build that bridge all the way from the higher dimensions, all the way down into the earth. And so, you know, obviously it's been, it's been an area of focus for me. And I, I completely understand that, that just, that just hasn't been where your attention or your needs or your focus has been. And, um, it's just great to be able to, um, it's just great to be able to have a conversation like this where 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 there's just such an open and free and loving exchange of ideas and viewpoints with with no agenda about trying to take it anywhere or trying to be right about it it's uh yeah it's a it's wonderful to be um to be having this conversation yeah, I, I and I really I'm really happy that you're doing the work that you're doing. I think it's really valuable and I just want to make that clear. I just didn't have very much to say about about it. Right. And, and um but I think it is very necessary. I, I have seen that with spiritual people where they seem to be very developed in the upper chakras and but they still have the stuff stuff that's not cleared out in the lower chakras. And that could that could describe some of these gurus um, who fall from grace, right? Yeah, I mean, spiritual bypass to me is really a major issue. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it do you know, is. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. I absolutely know what you mean, and it is it isn't it is an issue. Um, people don't necessarily want to do their emotional work. But it takes emotional work to um, be able to detach enough from the mind. You know, without without uh, healing, the negative mind is very, very compelling, and it creates a lot of negative feelings. So, um, you know, to ask people to not give their attention to their mind and to live in the present moment who haven't healed their emotional stuff is asking too much. Right. And, you know, and then, you know, continuing to take it down to the lower chakras, one of the things that was really shocking to me, I've been, I'm 58 years old, I'm almost 59, and I had the privilege of being in the healing arts from a very young age, from the time I was 19. So that's almost 40 years of experience, and I've been a holistic doctor for over 27 years. So I've had the privilege of interacting with thousands of people in a pretty intimate way. And one of the things that really shocked me as a young healer and a young doctor was um, the prevalence of, in the history of my patients, of some form of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. 
are just just amazing and you know um so i just want to add that i think the healing uh also needs to go to that level as well and that um mm-hmm. there are many many people that have explored healing the 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 heart uh, to a great extent mm-hmm. who still are ignoring a more visceral uh level of trauma that uh, in my experience if it's there uh, sooner or later it needs to be dealt with and it's just as important as any other area Mm, I see what you're saying I I was lumping sexuality in with the category of emotional healing but you're pointing out and rightly so a certain bodily component to sexuality that it needs to be addressed. Is that right? Yes, yes. That many people I know have done a lot of healing in the area of what they're aware of with their emotions. And they'll come to me and there's more work to do there. And yet very often as we work on healing the physical body, of giving the body the nutrients it needs, of cleansing the body at the cellular level, of reconnecting people to a healthier kind of breathing pattern and reconnecting them to the earth. And the energy starts flowing all the way down the chakra system. There's a whole other level of trauma that begins to bubble up to the surface that I think is part of the whole Christed consciousness of building that complete bridge between heaven and earth and earth and heaven Mm. that um, I think isn't talked about a lot in spiritual literature. And yet in my personal experience of working with thousands of people, it's just as vital as any other area. Yeah, and that makes so much sense coming from a Taurus. And you also have Virgo rising? Right. Yeah, so you're very earthy. Um, so you're doing exactly the work that you're you're meant to do with all that, that earthiness in your chart. I, by the way, have no earth in my chart. <laughs> right, right. And so I'm very tuned in to the fact that uh, the... Uh, the challenge and the privilege of being human as opposed to being say an angel right uh, is is the, the 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 possibility of it has to do with the uh, transmutation and integration of all the chakras yes and the the spirituality today is a very in the world spirituality as it needs to be to transform the world. You know, we're not we're not just getting enlightened so that we can escape this world. The people who are who have come to this world to awaken and become enlightened have are doing so in order to change the world with that enlightenment, not escape it. And so yeah, this you know, being able to ground the spirituality into the body and into the world as a human 
is more important than ever. Exactly. And that's really where, that's really my message is I, my goal when working with souls is to help them to realize the, the unity of reality. Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful way to put it. Well, Gina, let's move toward wrapping this conversation up. And what I'd like to do is just leave it open for you to share anything you are moved to share to complete this conversation from, for you. And also, uh, please give any contact points and contact information so that people who are moved to connect with you and your work uh, have an easy way to do that. And then we'll, then we'll say goodbye for now. Okay. Um, gee, you're leaving it so wide open about what to say here. Uh, you know, I'm finding myself in a very quiet place right now after talking with you, David. So it's really beautiful that um, it's in such a quiet place that nothing's coming to mind that I need to add to fill out this conversation. It's already been so, so full, really. Uh, I really appreciated your, your questions and talking about things that I really haven't talked about before. And uh, if people would like to know more about my writings, uh, they can go to my website, at, which is RadicalHappiness.com. And there are lots of free things to read and audios to download and listen to, videos to watch. And there's a free ebook available when you sign up for my newsletter. So uh, that's RadicalHappiness.com. And I, I so appreciate talking with you, David. It's just been so lovely. You're welcome. I, uh, as I mentioned to you privately before we got on the air here, uh, my, my commitment in these conversations are not to rehash interviews that you've already done, but to build on what you've already done in your public work and to take the conversation deeper and to open up new, new conversations and new possibilities. And I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that you've, you, you went along with me for the ride and I'm glad that you, you enjoyed it and that you appreciated it. And, uh, I'm definitely open to further conversations and further explorations of how we might serve each other and together. Yeah, I'd really love to talk with you again, David, because you did ask such, you know, questions that really I've never been asked before. Um, it was like having a really nice conversation with an old friend. All right, Gina. So with that, let's... Uh, Let's close the conversation with love and peace. Dr. David here again. I hope you enjoyed that in-depth interview with Gina Lake. As I reflected on my time with Gina, what really struck me was the quality of the interaction and the quality of the conversation. Kind of like uh, a couple of jazz musicians just playing together and exploring and seeing where things go. It's very refreshing to have a conversation where it wasn't about convincing anybody of anything, but just being together and seeing what comes up and honoring the flow. 
So I hope you enjoyed this interview. And as always, I really appreciate you sharing these shows with people that you care about and going over to iTunes and giving the show a five-star rating and a heartfelt review if you'd like to support the show. So until next time, it's Dr. David signing off, and we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.